Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Good morning, and welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our community who produce, preserve, and prepare our regional foods. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. That cute little theme song you just heard was performed and arranged by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's gotten to be very popular, and she's even sung on the Grand Old Opry. We're really proud of this young woman, and even more proud to say that she's from Monroe County, Tennessee. And on today's show, we're setting the table with persimmons. We first hear from Charlie Quitt, a professor at the University of Tennessee, and he's going to let us know the biological facts about that wild persimmon that we find along the roadsides and byways here in East Tennessee. Crystal Wilson from Turtle Mountain Herb Farm in Rockford, Tennessee, is going to let us know about winter weather forecasting utilizing the persimmon seed. Mary Constantine shares a persimmon bread recipe by Bill Gilbert, shared with her by Morgan Simmons. And we have a little visit with Jill Sossman from Johnson City, Tennessee, talking about Kennebec potatoes and white half-runner beans. And if you're listening to us on the radio, we get to hear music from Merle Travis and Patty Loveless. Thank you so much for your good company today. It's just an honor and privilege to be able to have you gather around our table here today. Now let's get started. Well, um, Charlie Quitt is who we're sitting here talking with today. And Charlie, you are working here at University of Tennessee. What do you do? So, yeah, I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Forestry, Wildlife, and Fisheries. And in that capacity, my expertise is in the area of plant-animal interactions or wildlife-plant interactions. As part of that, I work with and I teach courses on wildlife-plant interactions. I teach a wildlife vegetation course, which I'm currently doing this fall, and we're actually on to mammals, and we're about to start talking about fleshy fruits like persimmons and pawpaws, among other things that our local mammal populations love. Uh, so I'm, I'm a wildlife plant interactions person. So a persimmon, it's, it's, I think you and I thinking about it in food terms, it's a fruit. And so persimmons are, uh, they're fruits, we have one native persimmon species here in East Tennessee. It's fruit for mammals, but when we think of it as food, it's a, it's a type of fruit that humans have been consuming for quite a number of years, centuries. The history of that, if my memory is right, goes back to it arriving here as a cultivar for fruit consumption by humans from China, via Japan in the 1850s in California. And so 
the U.S. has not delved into eating persimmons, humans that is, the, of European ancestry, uh, until after the 1850s. Oh. And those are mainly the, the Asian cultivars of persimmons. Okay. Are, so they're not native to this country, or those to this area. Are, are, are fruits that we typically have been eating mm-hmm. are, are more Asian cultivars. Yes. As opposed to more recently, there has been an interest in our own native persimmon here, mm-hmm. which goes by the name of Diosporus virginiana, and that particular species has become the subject of interest, and so there are plenty of cultivars of that species that are better than others, or better than your ordinary wild persimmon that people are starting to become more and more familiar with over here. Well, I'm used to them by seeing around fence posts or fence lines and stuff like that. That's true, and that's probably because the animals that are moving the seeds in those places like to be in areas where there may be a little bit of cover. Mm -hmm. They're pretty big fruits for a bird to disperse the seeds of, so you don't have a ton of that going on, but our mammals really like persimmon and so they'll they'll move them from place to place and oftentimes they'll wind up in hedgerows and do pretty well there. What are the main mammals that eat them? Just about any kind of mammal around here will really enjoy the fruits and of the of that species and so anything from raccoons to opossums to black bear in Great Smoky Mountains National Park and elsewhere foxes, coyotes, I'm probably forgetting a few important mammals, but just about any mammal that mm-hmm. that uh, that runs across these fruits, primarily that have fallen from the tree mm-hmm. onto the ground, is uh, is pretty much going to go ahead and have a little meal, and then <laughs> later on that meal will then they probably won't damage those seeds very much, and those somewhat large seeds will get passed uh, at some time somewhat soon thereafter. Okay. Okay, and where do you find them in this area? So you can find persimmons in all kinds of forested areas. They're a tree that you can also find in disturbed areas as well. They might go up to a certain elevation in the Smokies and not not get up into the upper areas of the upland hardwood forests and they won't be up in the spruce fir forests or things like that, but just many elevations around here. They tend to be in opener areas, well-drained soils, but they're capable of growing in most places. And it's not surprising we have them in our suburban landscape as well. They're in my neighborhood and they're doing just fine. <laughs> Well, and you brought a couple in a bag today. I did, and they're a little—they're a little worse for the wear, but I think the animals would still enjoy eating them if I were to put these these things out. Yeah. Out for them. It looks like a couple of little wads of apricot jam or something. Well, that's what that's, it kind of looks like. That is pre- that's a good analogy there, and um, it, that brings me to thinking about what what do we do with these things. I, uh, yeah. As humans, we've been consuming the fruits and doing all kinds of, of, uh, of things and recipes with them. I actually, I'm this fall, I'm going to try to do something with persimmons. 
I've never cooked with them before, made anything with persimmons, but uh, but I imagine that anything that would have apricot in a recipe, mm -hmm. you go ahead and put something like persimmon in instead. Mm -hmm. I'm envisioning a chutney of some kind that I could do with persimmon, so. Yeah, absolutely. What is their season and how do you tell if they're ready to eat? Okay, that's a great question. The season, and by that, I'm gonna take that as the fruiting season. Yes. They do have to flower beforehand, uh, and being a dioecious species here in the U.S., our persimmon has, for the most part, separate male and female plants. So our fruiting plants are our females, and for those plants to bear fruit, there has to be a male tree somewhere that's providing the pollen that's going to be uh, instrumental in having all that stuff work. And so the fruiting season, and how do we know that? There may have been some orange fruits in those trees a couple weeks back, but they had not started falling from the trees yet. And the animals, for the most part, are eating these fruits off the ground. And those fruits are dropping, that's an indication that these are just about ready. Okay. Because mm -hmm. one does not want to bite into a not ready persimmon. Really? What's it like? It's not a good experience. Your <laughs> your mouth will shrivel up inwards to try to get rid of that uh, stringent taste. So, yeah. Persimmons do have a very characteristic bark on them when yes. they when they are old enough to exhibit that. They have to get to be a few years in age before they start really really having that noticeable bark that blocky appearance in the bark is mm -hmm. something that you get to know pretty quickly once you start looking for it. Charlie Quip, he's talking about persimmons with us today, and my goodness, I really thank you. Well, thank you for having me. And you've been listening to the biological facts of the persimmon. Charlie Quitt, assistant professor of the Department of Forestry, Wildlife, and Fisheries at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Up next is Crystal Wilson with winter weather forecasting by looking at the persimmon seed. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Magpie's Bakery in downtown North Knoxville, just one block off Broadway on North Central Street. Fall is for weddings, and Magpies couldn't be prouder to be featured in the latest issue of Martha Stewart Weddings. And the holidays are coming! The Magpie Holiday Menu is now available on the website, including the apple stack cake made with organic dried apples. Peggy and her crew are taking orders now for weddings for most budgets and the upcoming holidays. Details and ordering information at magpiescakes.com since 1992. Magpie's Cakes. All butter, all the time. Crystal Wilson, along with her family, owns and operates Turtle Mountain Herb Farm in Rockford, Tennessee. And Crystal shares her old-time mountain ways, and today, She's going to let us know an old mountain way of predicting winter weather by slicing lengthwise the seed of the persimmon and observing the shape of the germ 
of the seed. How about persimmon trees? Oh, mercy. Or persimmon seeds. So, Have you heard of yes, that? Yes. Uh, see, the persimmon is uh, when you crack it open, and really it does look like these things. If it looks like a fork, mm-hmm. it's going to be a mild winter. Mm-hmm. If it's a spoon, it is heavy snow. Ooh. If it's a knife, it's ice. And the good people from Hawassi and Ocoee State Parks have done some cutting on persimmon seeds this year for us, and this is what they found. Out of 45 seeds, they had 20 spoons, 16 knives, 4 forks, and 5 blanks. Blanks are things that don't really look like much, so you can't tell what they are. So it looks like we're going to have a bitter cold and snowy winter. Hmm. On my website, Tennessee Farm Table, I made some illustrations of persimmons, the germ in the seed, and the three type of shapes to be looking for. Coming up is our friend Mary Constantine. She's going to share with us a recipe for persimmon bread. And now it's In the Kitchen with Mary Constantine, food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel. I'm blessed to have a lot of knowledgeable colleagues, with Morgan Simmons, the New Sentinel's environmental writer, being one of them. I wanted to talk about persimmons today because they're in season. So I asked Morgan what he knew about the fruit. He told me that the tree grows at the lower to mid-elevations and that the fruit ripens from October into November. He shared with me the many times he had taken his young children to a patch of persimmon trees near Norris Dam. He said they would go early in the morning to gather the fruit in hopes of beating the wildlife to the harvest. It's an important late season food source for them and once the deer and other critters discovered the tree, there could be little left on the ground to gather. In fact, Simmons said that if that was the case, he would shake the tree because the ripest of the fruit would fall from the branches and then the children would gather what had fallen. And he also said, you'll definitely know if you bite into an unripened persimmon because it has a terrible astringent flavor. Morgan has a favorite persimmon bread recipe that he shared with me. He found it in Bill Gilbert's book, Our Nature. And I'm going to read the recipe as Gilbert wrote it. Mash up the persimmons and strain out the seeds and skin. Get at least two cups of the pulp. Mix up three-fourths pounds of butter with two cups of honey and three jiggers of maple syrup. Someplace else, mix four cups of flour, four eggs, and a tablespoon of baking soda. Then put those two batches together and add the two cups of persimmon pulp and a cup or so of chopped walnuts. Stir some more. Put the batter in greased cake pans and bake for an hour at about 325 degrees. 
While baking, it turns a deep, rich chocolate color. The finished loaves are a bit stiffer than pudding, but juicier than a cake. The loaves can be frozen. Now, who's ready to go out and find a persimmon tree? I think I am. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. This is Meredith Klepsch, Land Director for Foothills Land Conservancy, and you are listening to Tennessee Farm Table on WDVX. Right now, for all of you Kennebec potato fans out there, let's hear a little visit with Jill Sossman from Johnson City talking about Kennebec potatoes and white half-runner beans. I went up to Johnson City last week to visit and interview Fred and Jill Sossman about all kinds of food history projects and to share a meal at the Ridgewood Barbecue in Bluff City, Tennessee. Uh, Fred has just recently released a new book called Ridgewood Barbecue entitled The Prophets of Ridgewood, an Appalachian Family's Life in Barbecue. And in the car on the way back to the house, I interviewed Jill about Kennebec potatoes. She was real excited all day about having somebody bring her some. So here it is, Jill Sossman. Now I want to tape a little segment about Kennebec potatoes. You thought you were done, didn't you? I thought I was done. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what, I just know the name, you know, and that they were made the best mashed potatoes. Kennebec potatoes. Yeah, Kennebec. I think it's the way. I'll look it up to make sure. Now, did you say that your dad planted them? Or? Yes, he grew them. Um, he mm. passed away in 1992, but he, until he passed away, suddenly he put out a garden every year, and Kenny Becks were, were some of the ones, some of the potatoes that he grew. And I don't know what it is about them, but they make the best, creamiest mashed potatoes. Mm. And I remember being at a, a church luncheon, and a lady made mashed potatoes, and I asked her, I need to have this recipe. These are so good. And she said, will you use candy back potatoes? <laughs> and I said, do you grow them? And she said, yes, I do, but I, I don't have any right now. So I think she sold them at the farmer's market. Mm. But she was out. It was late in the fall. She just had enough for her family. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, they grew grew them, but it, there was a drought that year, and they mm. didn't produce at all, and they only had enough. She didn't even sell them at the farmer's market. Mm. And so I, they, they retired, and they're grandparents now. So. Well, Kenny and, Beck potatoes. Yeah, I anyway, I just, you know, they quit putting out a garden. But mm. um, when my friend called me and said, Farmer John's and Elizabeth and has Kenny Beck potatoes, because she grew up eating them, too. And she bought some and made a baked potato the other night out of them, and it looked so good. Mm. So she's bringing me a 50-pound bag of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh I'm God. sure you can put them to use. Oh, yes. And I'll probably share some with my 94-year-old mother because she she hasn't had them either when, since my father passed away. So She will so appreciate those. Yes, she will. I'll take, take some to her, and they... She's also bringing me some half-runner green beans that were late in the season mm. from the Siam community. Oh, nice. And so I hope to have a couple of medicines of them, and I'll take some to my mother, too, because she loves her half-runner beans. That's wonderful. 
Well, Jill, thanks for telling me about those. Oh, you're quite welcome. We want to say thank you so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. We hope that you can join us again right back here at 9 o'clock at WDVX.com or online at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Our theme song was written by myself, Amy Campbell, and beautifully performed by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. More information about Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. That's spelled T-H-E-E-M-I Sunshine.com. We want to say thank you to WDVX for bringing to you pure community broadcasting, just like this show. They are our media partner, and we couldn't do this without them. More information at WDVX.com. We'd love to invite you to connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TennesseeFarmTable.com and check out our podcast. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.